0: Hello and welcome to the Leaf podcast. Thank you for joining us. My name is Sam Conway. I'm the Marketing Communications Manager with Leaf and for today's podcast we are going to be talking about all things to do with Integrated Pest Management or IPM. IPM is an essential part of integrated farm management, which of course forms the basis of uh, much of LEAF's work. And to discuss all things related to integrated pest management, I am delighted to be joined by LEAF project coordinator Lucy Bates. Lucy has a wealth of experience as a vegetable grower and has worked extensively in the world of agronomy. and During her master's degree at Harper Adams University, she studied decision support systems uh, for the monitoring of aphid vectors of BYDV in winter cereals. Lucy, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Hi, Sam. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: We've been hearing a lot about integrated pest management over the last couple of years. It seems to be everywhere at the moment. Um, For those who are not particularly familiar with it, if you can just explain a bit more about it. I mean, is it a new thing and who invented it?
1: Looking back, over over time I've had a, I a nice rummage around in the history of integrated pest management over the last few weeks while thinking about doing this podcast. And I think it's fair to say that selection of the best combination of available strategies to, to secure healthy crops has been practiced by farmers for as long as humans have been farming, really. I mean, the, the basis of integrated pest management, uh, observing the individual circumstance of a crop, assessing the risk to it from pests, and, and then acting appropriately to the system which it's growing in with a view to the long game. Um, is, is really what's been going on for, for, forever in human agriculture. You can see this in, for instance, some of the most basic crop rotations. You've got the, the three field rotation from medieval Europe or the 19th century Norfolk four course rotation. Um, and part of the rationale behind these systems is prevention of a build up of pests that would threaten any individual crop. You've got ploughing, hoeing, planting to seasonal milestones. These are crop protection measures common across time. Thank you. And pesticides, in fact, such as those derived from sulfur, chrysanthemums, tobacco, they've all played their part over hundreds or even thousands of years of cropping. So another example of an integrated pest management strategy that we can see in history is the breeding and selection of varieties resistant to pests. We can see examples of this uh, for wheat in New York in the late 1700s, grapevine rootstock in France a century later. Although I think it's identification of ecology as the foundation of scientific plant protection by the state entomologist of Illinois Stephen Forbes in the late 1880s that for me really lays the foundation for the whole system agronomic approach that we've come to know as IPM. I say that we've been doing this for a long time but as understanding has grown of the factors at play in crop health and really how they interact with each other choosing the solution or the set of solutions with the best possible outcome for the long-term productivity of a whole system it has got more complicated. We've got the global movement of crops and the organisms which compete with us to exist on them, also known as pests, and they've really enhanced the challenge of this. But the the number of available strategies to deal with these issues have have increased correspondingly. I think it's really important at this point to say that informed inaction is is always one of these strategies, and IPM really takes that into account. So it starts hotting up in about 1939 in terms of the definition of IPM itself, where a presentation was given by three Californian entomologists, so Hoskins, Borden, and Michelbacher, And they put the case for a more discriminating use of insecticides. And at the time, insecticides included really broad spectrum substances, toxic to humans as well as pests, such as arsenic, lead, mercury. And they said to the Sixth Pacific Science Congress of America, they said that biological and chemical control are supplementary to one another, or as the two edges of the same sword. Nature's own balance provides the major part of the protection that's required for the successful pursuit of agriculture. Insecticides should be used so as to interfere with natural control of pests as little as possible. So, we've got a starting point there. It was 20 years later, though, in 1959, that a team of entomologists, again interestingly in California, including the famous Vernon Stern. They were at this point dealing with fallout from the really heavy use of synthetic chemical insecticides such as DDT that had become widely available after the Second World War. And these substances they'd revolutionised crop yields they'd been a real bonus to to farmers and to the the post-war world. But problems were starting to emerge. There were resistant populations of pests, the destruction of natural enemies was resulting you know, at times, a rapid resurgence or secondary pest outbreaks. There were toxic residues, and operator hazard was a, was a real reality for those working with these substances. So they presented on the success of the integrated control concept, which was illustrating a case in California where biological and chemical control had worked successfully together to keep the spotted alfalfa aphid population below the economically injurious levels of the invasive species that threatened the viability of a really important leguminous forage crop at the time. They based insecticide application on careful observation of the pest population and having established how high this could get before impacting on profitability of the crop. and then applying with precision only once these levels had been reached. This allowed the natural enemies of the aphid to survive and to thrive and to predate on the pest. Crop protection was achieved with reduced input by farmer, and, and reduced impact on non-target organisms, and this was done by integrating chemical and biological control. His team summarised, so the, the outcome of, of this quite long conversation, an, an impressive case study at the time, was that integrated control would be most successful when sound economic thresholds have been established, rapid sampling methods have been devised, and selective insecticides are available. A little bit later than this, going on another Another 10 years now, the exact phrase integrated pest management was really coined by Ray Smith and Robert Vanden Bosch, their colleagues of Stern from the same Californian entomology department at Berkeley. And they wrote, the determination of insect numbers is broadly under the influence of the total agroecosystem. A background knowledge of the role of the principal elements is essential to integrated pest population management. This is the first time those words appear in print. But by 1974, the phrase was common currency and the Food and Agriculture Organization defined IPM, Integrated Pest Management, as a pest management system that in the context of the associated environment and the population dynamics of the pest species utilises all suitable techniques and methods in as compatible a manner as possible and maintains the pest population at levels below those causing economic injury. It was around this point that it was recognized as really to be aspired to wherever possible in cropping systems. But in 2009, possibly the most relevant definition to us at this point in the UK in 2020 stems from the EU directive and um, which established a framework which was looking to achieve a sustainable use of pesticides in all member states, uh, promoting among other things the use of IPM as integral to this. It required, um, and still does, that by 2014, every country had produced a national action plan on how it was going to achieve the sustainable use of pesticides. And this was, was mandated that it needed to refer to all eight of the key principles of IPM. So these are basically, and this is really key to this, this conversation going forwards, but these, these eight key principles are preventing and suppressing the buildup of harmful organisms, first of all. Secondly Monitoring pest populations And forecasting the impact Thirdly The use of thresholds To determine when to intervene Number four Is considering all options For pest control Including non-chemical Fifth selection of appropriate interventions considering all potential risks. Six, minimising chemical intervention by maximising the efficiency of application. Seventh, strategising to prevent the build-up of resistance in pest populations. And finally, eighth, reviewing the success of a chosen strategy to facilitate continuous improvement, which is something that really chimes with our work at LEAF, where continuous improvement is a real tenet of integrated farm management. So in practice, this means a wide range range of things it means selecting resistant varieties considering the cultural physical and biological controls available systematically monitoring for pest pressure and outcomes and if chemistry is the most appropriate tool in a given situation then using it well like really well not only so it works without damaging non-target species but so that it carries on working for when it's needed again so that is pretty much um, the background of IPM it's not a new thing and no one person and invented
0: it. Well oh, that's uh, that's a really really useful insight into the world of IPM. When we obviously as the name suggests when we talk about IPM um, obviously pests comes to mind and sometimes when we talk about pests uh, that brings into mind insects. Um, is IPM always insect-focused?
1: I think it's really easy um, to, to make that mistake, that the answer is no. I think it's the talk of populations is one part of that. You think of a population as a, a teeming mass of little insects. But the, the prominent role of entomologists, really, entomologists have been instrumental in defining and advancing IPM over the years. Um, and even now, it's, it's a very important area of IPM, it is how to manage insect populations because there's so many variables that affect their impact on crops. But no, the definition of pest in this context is is really any harmful organism, including pathogens, weeds, vertebrate and invertebrate animals. So the term pesticide, um, plant protection products that are pesticides, they include insecticides, fungicides, molluscicides um, and rodenticides.
0: So which farming sectors in particular have gone further with integrated Pest management and uh, which cropping systems are most developed in their use of it?
1: So, protected cropping systems really have surged ahead over the last couple of decades for two reasons partly because they have needed to there's been a real incentive to get it right there's high value produce there's very low tolerance for toxicity or residue risk um, and in- intensive production cycles have led to a build-up of resistance in pests um due to the nature of the closed systems however the same closed systems have really enabled growers to manage their environments and their they're, they're growing environs well the whole environment's under the control of the grower they can manage the temperature manage the nutrient contents. you're not necessarily dealing with soil so the closed system has both caused the need for IPM, but also provided the means for really doing that well. There's two leaf farmers, two leaf mark demonstration farmers, which are Eric Wall and Tangmere Airfield Nurseries. They're both in West Sussex and they use biological control. So introducing beneficial insects that predate on pests, such as the red spider mite or South American leaf miner in their systems. They, the minimisation of the use of chemicals through, through this method means that the efficacy of the chemicals is really preserved for targeted use. If the biological control system... Fails in a particular area for a particular plant in a particular season. That chemistry is still there to to keep the crop safe, but it's the 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 resistance to it doesn't have a chance to build up in the pest populations. It also means, for instance, in the tomato system, that bumblebees can be used for pollination because there's
0: not a issue with non-target organism toxicity from the insecticides. The way you talk about uh, integrated pest management, I mean, it sounds fantastic. It almost seems like a no-brainer, really. Uh, everyone should be using it, but why why isn't everyone using it? I mean, are there any issues around the uptake of it at all?
1: I mean, I think, first of all, it's probably important to say that essentially everyone is using it to some extent or another is the first thing to say um, basic rotations variety selection precision application these these are things that farmers are doing all across the lands and all across the world but it is more complex to to really integrate the, the the optimum for the whole system solution in into an individual crop it's 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 a complex it's more complex than taking a single most obvious solution so a, ru- a routine prophylactic like which means preventative application of a plant protection product like a just in case that really buys a grower time and security against the potential of a crop loss. While chemistry has been relatively cheap and reliable and effective, it's wider impacts not really accounted for or, or actually understood it has been eco- economically the most obvious solution to crop protection but I think what we're seeing in Arab now, as we saw in protected cropping several decades ago, is a real requirement to think outside the box and and make a new plan. Chemistry is falling away um, through a combination of uh, resistant pest populations and loss of actives. And implementing IPM in arable systems, although it is more challenging, I'm just going to talk about a few ways in which it is happening and in which people are doing it and in how it is a reality so first of all the agronomic and cultural practices such as drilling cereals and oil seeds in weather windows where good contact with the soil can be achieved where there's enough moisture in the soil for seedlings to get away strongly where the tilth is rolled and fine so as not to provide cover for slugs these all reduce the use of molluscicides for instance on a field system and this is really relevant where there's an Imperative to reduce metaldehyde use um, to preserve drinking water quality, and alternatives may be more expensive. In orchards and vineyards, um, the use of pheromone traps to attract and trap specific pests, such as the codling moth or vine weevil, is a real monitoring tool. So, this allows growers to accurately uh, monitor and anticipate the risk posed, and then spray only when this becomes critical, as opposed to routine blanket prophylactic spraying, which take out um, non target organisms. Um, and, and have diff- diffuse pollution issues. Physical control. Um, of weeds this could mean inter row hoeing rather than selective herbicides and cereal crops which is really being pioneered uh, by organic farmers and although introducing biological controls in the form of beneficial insects like we've talked about in protected cropping this isn't so viable in arable as they can easily disappear into the wider environment that's either causing trouble there or just dying off and um, making the most of like the balancing capacity of the existing ecosystem services that is a reality allowing semi-natural areas for beetles hoverflies ladybirds to thrive as well as act as refuges for their food sources when the crop pest is out of season this has really been shown to impact on the disease carrying aphid populations giving native beneficials a chance to um, take down aphid populations to the point where they no longer cause the issue to cereal crops reducing the need for insecticides chemistry though can't be overlooked this is still important this uh, chemistry is vital at the moment to maintaining the yields that support current food systems and that they really this is what is enabling humanity to feed itself without expanding agriculture into new areas of land you know which in itself as a whole system has consequent impacts on biodiversity and ecosystem services fungicidal protection from pathogenic diseases such as septoria and rusts account for substantial yield gains in cereal systems these are losing efficiency as we all know there's resistance of the pathogens, for instance, the strobulurins and azoles. And there's a, there's a fallout of authorization, for instance, chlorothalonil, where... where changes have have arisen in the understanding of the wider impact of these substances. So there's a real imperative there to develop and grow varieties genetically resistant to these diseases. The AHDB recommended lists indicate the strengths and weaknesses of varieties. They play a part in this strategy. Huge amounts of work going on behind the scenes to to take this further and bring forward plant breeding for genetic resistance. There's successes in the area of resistance to insect pests and this can be seen in bee resistant varieties such as amistar barley and wolverine wheat which have really become a more attractive and popular prospect since the systemic but prophylactic neonicotinoid insecticide sea dressings were taken out of the system last year and once chemistry is applied once we are using it you know the, as we spoke about earlier doing it well you know how to do that well is calibrating sprayers choosing nozzles taking weather windows and tank mixes that really maximize its benefits and minimize detrimental impact of this.
0: That's really interesting. Um, if I can just bring it a bit closer to home, you gave some really, really good examples of how leaf mark growers are demonstrating IPM in action. If you could just provide a more broad overview of leaf's perspective uh, on integrated pest management and how it's reflected uh, in the leaf mark standard.
1: Okay, well, as you mentioned at the beginning, Sam, IPM has been an integral part of leaf's core work in the promotion and development of integrated farm management for about 30 years now. There's a particular area of the crop health and protection area of integrated farm management looks to all available strategies to support profitable farming. But of course that also benefits the environment and engages local communities really speaks to this area of crop management. And I think believing that decision-making on farm is not based on single issues really implies that integration of appropriate control measures for, for, for crop health and protection. The relevant control points to this area in the leafmark standard, they require that farms are addressing every area of IPM as defined in that European framework. And their specific actions, detailed record keeping, and a crop health and protection plan uh, which, which is no one size fits all you know that's appropriate to the farm there's not one form that leaf farmers fill out to, to pass their leaf mark inspection this control point just requires that they it's been thought about and to the most appropriate um, format to the individual farm business this is really well accounted for of course leaf mark is a certification that builds on baseline assurance standards such as red tractor any leaf mark Business will already be complying fully with legal requirements and already have been assured at a baseline level of of quality in this area, which is vital to all assurance standards. Um, Continuous improvements are really key tenets of IFM, like we mentioned earlier. So it's expected that farms are working towards best practice in IPM um, and being required to evidence this progress year on year. So, a really great stat that came out of the global impacts report in 2020 report that over 50% so 52% in fact of leafmark farms globally uh, were found to be fully implementing best practice in all eight areas of ipm and i think that that's a really
0: impressive statistic myself that's fantastic yeah it's really good to see so many farmers adopting the uh, the eight steps to to ipm Just looking ahead to the future, could you expand a bit more about what developments are in the pipeline uh, to support farmers and growers in extending and improving their implementation of integrated pest management?
1: Well, you won't be surprised, Sam, to hear me say, and nor will anyone else who's currently working in pretty much any field of agriculture, I would say right now, that this is a hot topic. There's a lot of conversation. There's a lot of physical, practical research underway. And that's looking to develop alternatives. It's looking to develop strategies. It's looking to develop solutions. Plant breeding is looking for varietal resistance and tolerance. Formulation of biopesticides is looking at plant protection products that are already existent in the ecosystem and the trialing of diverse cropping systems for resilience and ecosystem service enhancement and these are all areas where a lot of work is is really going on we we've, we've recently published the integrated pest management edition of our simply sustainable series so this is a series of booklets that's looking at real on-farm application by farmers we're really pleased with it and it gives a essentially a simple scoring system for for growers of all sectors actually To to work through and see where they're up to, benchmark their performance in IPM and see where they might be able to improve. But I think from Leaf's perspective, one of the most important ways that we can support each other in this is by communication. I think it's the discussion um, and the engagement and dissemination of really high quality information um, that can then be put into action so that options can be integrated and so that options can be integrated including new options. They can be integrated into existing practices. Um, I think really recognising that people are already working, good farmers are working in and towards improving their integrated pest management and recognising what's working already with what's coming through the pipeline. I think that's
0: key. My final question really is about what the best case scenario could be for uh, integrated pest management going forwards. Um, What, In your eyes, would success look like uh, in this area?
1: My answer to that is that it looks different everywhere. That's the nature of this system, is that it's unique um, to farmers, to farms, to teams, to generations. Um, It's what's appropriate to a given business and a given crop and a given field. There is no one picture of what success looks like here, and I think that's almost a definition of integrated pest management, is it's a diverse outcome. Success looks different in different places. But I think ultimately it's a productive landscape that has the capacity to sustain both, you know, human society and the diverse ecology that it's part of, um, indefinitely. I think it's really important that an appreciation is there as well—that the reality of sustaining output from agricultural systems, alongside supporting the ecosystems on which that output depends. A recognition that simple systems have complex repercussions, and simple systems are vulnerable to failure through dependency on just a few components. That's not what integrated pest management is. That's what integrated pest management is looking to really improve on. I think incorporating the wider networks of ecosystem services into the equation, we build in resilience. There is a transition, though, the transition which might cost time or money or yield. And there's an argument that we could support that as a public good, um, either through the true cost of unintegrated pest management being reflected in the commodity market prices, support through schemes such as Elms or natural capital valuation. Um, I think we really have to look going forwards at what success looks like in individual circumstances and work with individual growers and systems um, to make that a reality across the board. And and for the whole of the wider food system, the the consumer, uh, the marketeer,
0: on, on whom this success ultimately also depends. And I understand by the time this podcast goes out, you may have already uh, undertaken a virtual event with regards to uh, integrated pest management. Do you want to just maybe touch a bit more on that at all?
1: We've got four presenters at an integrated pest management in arable days. As, as I discussed, it's definitely my primary area of experience. But it's, it's, it's more complicated. It's it's harder, um, and it's it's newer. It's 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 less far along the line. We've got uh, two researchers and two farmers talking about uh, recent developments in IPM. We've got Alistair Leake, who's from the Allerton Project in Lincolnshire. And he has been a LEAF innovation centre for a long time. And they, again, have very nearly 30 years of experience of trialling and demonstrating and pioneering integrated pest management strategies in an arable setting in order to really benefit the wider wider environment and the wider biota that they're farming within. We have Mark Ramsden from the IPM Decisions Horizon 2020 project that's looking at ways of really giving agronomists and farmers options in terms of how to decide when to take action, when not to take action. We've got Ben Woodcock, who works on the ASSIST project from CEH, and that's field scale trialling of a range of different farm management practices, actually, but that includes wild area, seeing how uh, conservation biological control can impact on cereal uh, disease impacts, uh, So disease yields so he'll be speaking and then most importantly possibly we have our newest demonstration farmer james Loder simmons from nonnington farms who will be really talking us through and walking us through and what ipm looks like on the ground on his farm in action making it happen so looking forward to that very much and we're delighted that the simply sustainable booklet is now out there that that's available through the leaf website and if any anyone has any uh, questions or queries or would like to discuss it further please don't hesitate to contact myself at LEAF um, and between myself and the technical team we were always up for having a conversation so yeah please get in touch um, and come along on Tuesday if it's not too late thank you very much
0: and thank you it's very generous of you to uh, offer your services in that way we will of course at LEAF be making people aware of the virtual field day once it has been recorded and if it's available to listen to again we will be sharing that information uh, if you want to download the newest uh, Simply Sustainable booklet on integrated pest management you will find it as Lucy said on the LEAF website it's at leafuk.org forward slash farming forward slash simply hyphen sustainable hyphen series in the meantime Lucy thank you very much for joining us today it's been really interesting learning about IPM and we hope to see it uh, develop and grow from strength to strength in the future thank you
1: Many thanks, Sam.